Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. I want to talk about something as we're heading into the holidays. Uh, and we're already there, actually. Um, Thanksgiving's this week, and then we get into Christmas, and a lot of us get together with family members, right? A lot of us have get-togethers. We do a lot of eating. We do a lot of fellowshipping. And one of the things that can happen at these get-togethers and these fellowships is something that I want to address this morning. And uh, I'm not going to even address it from a worldly standpoint. I'm going to address it from the church standpoint and answer a question. And we're going to put it up right now. And here's the question. And some of y'all are going to be like, oh, man, I knew I should have stayed home today. I knew I should have stayed home today. But you didn't. So you're here. So remember, every time we hear a message... And we, and we get understanding from the Bible, then we're accountable to it. Amen? So the question is, should Christians, not the world, should people, know? should Christians drink alcohol? Okay? So I want to answer that this morning, and I want to get into this, and we'll give you some great verses this morning, and we're going to talk about this. But I want to be real clear in case I forget and make sure I make this statement right now because I might forget and someone might leave this morning and not be sure. So I want to be real clear and real concise and real open and quickly answer the question as a church. If you ask, does Victory World Outreach Church believe it's okay to drink alcohol? Does Pastor Blake believe it's okay to drink alcohol? Does the leadership in this church believe it's okay? And here's your answer. N-O. Okay? No. We do not believe it is okay for Christians to drink alcohol. That is our stand. That is my stand. That is our fellowship stand and as a church. And if anybody's in leadership in our church, they, they look at an application and they sign an application uh, or uh, expectations for ministry. And we go over there that we are a church that does not drink. Not a drop. We're not just glass of wine every once in a while or a beer. We, we to- we're called what's called total. Totalians, totalians, amen? Totally surrender to God, amen? And so we're totally all in, and so just in case for the rest of the message you're not sure, no, it is not okay. No, it's not right for a Christian to drink alcohol. That is our stand, okay? And if you don't agree with that, I can't stop you from drinking alcohol, but if you're a leader, I can, amen, because I want, and I can't stop you at your house either, but I hope that all of our leaders when they sign that, they say, we're standing with this, and this is something we believe in and agree with, okay? How many, how many let me get, get into this for a few minutes and, and just have an open mind, okay? Maybe you've never heard a message on this. We have lots, thank God, lots of new believers, new converts, people who've gotten saved in the last few months. Uh, on that note, matter of fact, I was mentioning um, the 11, 9 o'clock service, how much it's growing, because uh, that used to be the, the smaller service. And just last Wednesday, we broke another attendance record on Wednesday night. We had more people here Wednesday night than we've ever had in the history of our church. Amen. I never would have thought in my life that we would be getting near 200 people on a Wednesday night. That's pretty amazing. Amen. That we're starting to, to, to go towards that on a Wednesday night. Amen. So God is doing something really special here in our church. And, and I believe a lot of it has to do with exactly what we're talking about today. Take, taking issues head on. And talking about things that a lot of people don't want to answer. Questions that people, I'm not afraid to answer these questions. And one of the things that kind of is interesting to me about these kind of questions, and I've preached on some things in the last few weeks, different subjects and stuff. What's interesting is, 
is the take that the church world has on so many things. Like, when you begin to ask this question, you think, okay, there's, there's going to be a, an answer in the world. There's going to be an answer from people who don't know God. And there's going to be a totally different answer from people who are Christians. It should be like black and white. I mean, it should be like night and day. But guess what? It's not. There's a lot of Christians who, who are okay with drinking. And, 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 and you might be, as I'm saying this, saying, well, I'm one of them. Amen? That's fine. Just hear me out. Let me, let me preach this in a way because one thing I want to do is I want to preach this in a way where I'm not just telling you don't drink because it's a sin. And just say it. I, I grew up in a generation that I'm very thankful for because I grew up in a generation that preached against sin. Can I get a better amen? amen. We should preach against sin. Why? Because God hates sin. And so we should hate what God hates. So I grew up in a generation where preaching was hard and preaching was straightforward. And I thank God for that. But what, what I feel like I can do to learn from my generation, to pass it on to this one, is that I'm not just going to tell you it's a sin, but I'm going to try to tell you why. Because I feel like my generation didn't do a good job of that. And I'm just saying that generally. Like, I want you to tell me no, but I want you to tell me why. So then I know how to handle the question and how to handle the answer and how to tell somebody else, right? Like as parents, we can just tell our kids just because, and they'll grow up, you know, listening to us. But what happens when your kids get to a certain age, then are they going to listen then? you got to explain to them why. So I want to explain why. And so I'm going to answer this question with a question. And just have this in your mind this morning as we get into this a little bit. So the question is, should, not can, should Christians drink alcohol? My question is, should we handle rattlesnakes? No one's answering the question. Should we? Is that smart? I mean, if I had a rattlesnake in the bag this morning, and I walked around and I said, would someone like to handle this? We would be foolish to grab the bag and say, yeah, let me play with it. Yeah, because rattlesnakes are dangerous. They're venomous, and they bite. And so I just want you to, it'll kind of make a little more sense as we go along here, why I'm relating rattlesnakes with this. But that's the question. Should we handle rattlesnakes? Okay? So I want to, I want to get into the Bible and put up Proverbs 20, verse 1. And, and I'm going to give you lots of verses, so don't think this is just Blake's opinion. But I'm going to give you lots of verses. And I'm going to say this too. I always, in my life, try, not that I do everything perfect and right, that's for sure. I try to be always on the safe side. If there's a question in my life about something, I'm going to the safe side. If there's something I'm not sure about, if it's a gray area, I'm going to the safe side. Because if I get to heaven, and I didn't say this in the first service, if I get to heaven and God tells me, listen, there's a whole bunch of things you didn't do that you could have done, guess what? I don't miss out on nothing. I'm like, ah, oh, could have drank, could have done this, could have done that. But what if I don't get to heaven because of some of these things? What if, what if some of these things could keep me out? I'd rather be on the safe side. And have God be, man, you, 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 when we get there, do you think we're really going to miss out on those things? We won't. But if I get there and he tells me, I'll be okay with that. But I'd rather be on the safe side. Okay? Wine is a mocker. That's the verse. Strong drink is a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it is smart. What is it? Not wise. How many wise people do I have in here? Let me see if you consider yourself wise. I do. I consider myself wise. I want to be. How many want to be wise? 
Maybe you should ask that. How many want to be wise? You're like, I don't think I'm wise, but I'd like to be. Amen. How many don't want to be the opposite of wise, which is foolish? Anybody who is led astray by wine or strong drink is, is foolish. And I'm not calling you that. I'm just telling you what, what the Bible says. So here's a question. I want to ask another question. I've got lots of questions. How many in this place can tell me with the raise of a hand in a second, raise it in a second, if you know somebody in your family, a friend, a neighbor, somebody close to you who has been affected by and seen lots of destruction through alcohol? I want to see you raise your hand. Right? So there's a few people who have had nobody in their family be totally destroyed by, by, by alcohol. Because I see some hands that didn't go up. And that's fine. I just want to make sure you understood the question. Let me ask it one more time. You know somebody, didn't say it was you, you know a family member, you know a friend, you know somebody, a neighbor who has been affected by alcohol. Raise your hand. Look at that. Look around and look at all the hands. So that seems like it might be a problem, right? And so maybe I could just stop preaching right now and, and, and the question's already answered. If everybody in this place has seen somebody or almost everybody affected by alcohol, why would we even be asking the question? Yet it's there. And, and, and the, but the fact is, is there's a lot of Christians, unfortunately, in my opinion, who take the stand that it is not a problem to drink alcohol. And that's their stance. And a lot of times it comes from who they're listening to. Because they're listening to pastors or leaders who instead of getting up in front of their congregation and saying, man, let's look at some of the results of alcohol. Let's look at what alcohol does. Instead of getting up and throwing out some of the stats and thoughts and all these different things, they're going to get up and say, well, this and well, that. And I'll get into some verse in a second. And they're going to try to convince people to do something that they don't need help convincing on. Because the truth is, if you want to drink in here this morning, you're going to drink. You want to do dope, you're going to do dope. You want to fight, you, whatever you want to do, you can do it. That's why I didn't say should. I didn't say can, I said should. Because we can do anything. I can handle a rattlesnake if I want to. I have the right. If I want to go pick up a rattlesnake, I have the right. And the reason I'm using a rattlesnake and the reason I'm saying that is because people like to use the Bible for their justification of the things they like to do. How many know marijuana is pretty popular right now? Right? It's trying to get, uh, you know, legalized everywhere. And, and, and I'm not going to get into an argument with the medicine and all that stuff. I'm just saying it's popular right now. And a lot of people are smoking it. And they'll say, well, God said in his word that every herb from the ground is for us. And so they'll grab that thing and they'll roll it up and they'll smoke it. Why don't you roll up some, some uh, poison ivy and smoke it? Or why don't you roll around in some poison ivy? It's from God. That's why I use the rattlesnake thing. God made a rattlesnake, but he didn't make a rattlesnake to roll around with. He didn't make a rattlesnake to play with. And so God gave us some wisdom too, right? He gave us some common sense. The problem is some people don't have common sense. Now listen to this. I've never seen, and you might have, I've never seen anyone drink themselves smart. Like I, I've never seen someone who drank and they were smarter. Like their decisions were better. I've never seen someone drink themselves to success. Like man, have you seen how much that person drinks? They are so successful. Right? Sounds crazy, doesn't it? I've never seen somebody drink so much that they're truly happy, not happy because they're drunk. Because we do see have some happy people. Okay? They at least act happy. 
until they go worship the porcelain god, which is the toilet. Then they're not happy anymore. Most people, I'll just say most to leave a little bit of error there, most people I see drink end up broke, bitter, and alone. Because that's the ultimate goal of the devil, is to steal, kill, and destroy. The prevalence of drinking, let me read you a few stats. In 2017, they came out with a stat that 86% of people in the United States, 18 or older, had drank alcohol at some point in their lifetime. Eight and a half out of ten. 70% reported they drank in the last year. Seven out of ten. This isn't Christians. This is the world. This is the United States. And 56% reported they drank something in the last month. Okay? Now, how could could we not drink? I don't know what the stat is, but it's got to be three or four out of five commercials are alcohol. Right? All these Bud Light ones and Bud Dumber and... uh, you know, all the, whatever, all the commercials, they spend billions of dollars. You know why they do? Because alcohol brings in a quarter of a trillion dollars a year. And I say that because when you get up to preach a message like this, it's amazing how the devil gets stirred up. Ooh, I can feel it when I get up here to preach. I mean, that presence of the Lord that was here a few minutes ago, you know why I was here? Because God was like, I'm going to soften them up real good before you start talking about this. Because, oh, you talking about my alcohol, Pastor. Some of y'all aren't going to admit it, but inside you're like, you're talking about my alcohol. Don't go there. Well, I'm going there. I'm going there. Amen? And listen to this. 25% of those people admit to binge drinking. We don't have a problem, but one out of four people that drink, binge drink. That's like, if you don't know what that means, that means they drink a lot. Successfully, day after day, in succession, to get drunk. And watch this. 200, today in this, in this service, between both services, we'll have about 250 to 300 people here today that came to church this morning. That's how, and this entire congregation will die today by alcohol. Today. In the United States. So just picture every person, and all those that have been here for both services, every person that's come and gone today, that amount of people will die today in alcohol-related accidents. Today. Today in the United States. And then again tomorrow, and again the next day, and again the day after that. And so we still ask that question, should Christians drink alcohol? Let's get into the word a little bit. I want to go over two things. And I'm not going to go to the verses for time, but I'm going to go over two, thought, two thoughts that are, that are processed in Christians, okay, that say it's okay to drink alcohol. What they do is, is they'll use the Bible and they'll say two very, I hear it all the time, two, two very pertinent things. One is, Paul told Timothy to drink a little bit of wine for his stomach. And, and, and I got into this this morning, but I didn't hit this particular part as much, and I'll hit it right now. When he did that, see, back in the day, they didn't have the process that we have for water. They didn't have all the chemicals that we have, and that can be good and bad. But, and they had, to, they had to use wine and, and uh, the fruit of the vine to, to clean and filter their water. Their water was dangerous to drink. And so they would use that, and so at some points they would have stomach problems because of how they didn't have the, all the, the stuff that we have to keep clean and hygiene and stuff like that, and they would have stomach problems. So Paul told Timothy, instead of drinking just water, drink a little wine for your stomach. And so everybody that wants to drink says, Paul told Timothy to drink wine because that's what we do. If we want to do something, we'll find somebody that tells us it's okay, Right? So that other thought is Jesus turning water into wine. 
How many have ever heard that? Has anybody heard that? Well, Jesus turned water into wine. So certainly we should drink wine because Jesus drank wine. First of all, he didn't drink wine at the wedding. We won't see any scriptural evidence that at that wedding he drank. He did turn water into wine. And he was at this party, and I want you to think about this something. Maybe this would be something that would help over anything else because I want you to think about the character of God. How many have a vision or a picture or thought of who and how God is? Do you have something in your mind? Pure and holy and righteous and perfect and good and all those things, right, that would never want anything bad for us. So I want you to picture with me the, the, the first miracle Jesus does, the very first one. The Bible says that's his first miracle, and he's at, a, he's at a party, he's at a wedding party, there's lots of people there, and they've been drinking wine, and the wine's gone, and so Mary says, Jesus, turn, make some more wine, we need more wine, the party's not over yet, and so he does it reluctantly, and he changes, he goes, go get some barrels, they bring the barrels in, he changes the water into wine. Now I want you to picture, if that wine that was at that party, that wedding party, was fermented, and it was alcoholic in its content, if that was the case, if they had drank all the wine that was there, they would be a little tipsy. Yes or no? If they had drank all the alcohol that was there, they'd be a little tipsy. They'd be, they'd be a little under the influence or a lot under the influence. I don't know. Now you picture with me our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, saying, okay, I've got a bunch of drunk people here off the wine and I'm going to make more wine so all these people can get more drunk. If that's the picture you have of Jesus, you have a different picture than I have. I can see Jesus at the party. I can see Jesus being with sinners. I can see all that. But I can't see Jesus taking wine and turning it into more fermented wine to get drunk people more drunk for his first miracle. That's not the character of God that I see. Okay? But that's what they'll use. Now let's talk about that wine for a second. I'll get into some verses, some more verses in a second. Let's talk about that wine. What is it? Well, first of all, in the Bible, there's Greek words and there's uh, Hebrew words of what that actually means. And there are times when the word wine is mentioned and it is strong drink. It is mixed. It is fermented. And there's other ones where it says fruit of the vine, which is grape juice. And so we would see that even at that party, if it was a little bit fermented, it had a little bit of alcohol in it, the alcohol they drank at that time was way stronger or way less strong than it is today. Let me give you an example. They would take that little bit of wine and make grape juice. Might have had a little bit of fermentation in it, starting with the fact that they didn't have refrigerators. We have refrigerators, okay? Starting with that fact, there might be a little fermentation in it. But they would take the wine and they would mix 20 parts water with one part wine, okay? 20 parts water, one part wine. Guess what the wine content is today? Two parts water, one part wine. Big difference in how much water and wine is in the drink. Okay? There's a lot of alcohol. You know, a lot of people think that, that uh, not, some, some know, but wine has a lot more alcohol than a lot of alcohols. Wine itself. Very rich in, in, in uh, alcohol, the substance of alcohol. And so at that time, if there was a little bit in there, it was 20 to 1 compared to 2 to 1 today. Okay? So Jesus, and here's another thing I want you to think about. Would Jesus, as God, take something natural that is water and turn it into something unnatural that is fermented? Why would he do that? There's no evidence for him to do that. That's against his character. Let me give you one more before I move on, if you're not convinced yet. Jesus... 
is our priest, correct? He's our holy priest. He's, the, he's, he's our savior. He's in the line of the priesthood of Leviticus. And he came, the Bible says, to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. And so Jesus, if you look at the Old Testament in Leviticus 10, it says that a, that a priest would not drink alcohol. And so Jesus comes in the line of priesthood, and so now he's, he's on the earth in the flesh, and he's going to go break his own law. And even though he told his priest in the Old Testament not to drink, he's going to drink now. It's not what he did. He came to fulfill it at communion. Amen? At communion. When he took up communion, they did not drink wine. They drank fruit of the vine. He even said, read the scriptures. I don't have time to go on all this today. He even said in the scriptures, fruit of the vine, which is grape juice. At that party that he turned water into wine, they would have had very delicious, very sweet grape juice. And when it was all gone, they came and said, make more. So they made more and better. And that's why the guy came along. Watch, watch this. That's why the guy came along and said, this is better. Hold on a second. I almost want to put somebody on blast real quick, but I don't. Who's not afraid? I know some of you in here have already told your testimonies. How many have thrown down some alcohol in here? Let me see your hands. Come on. You're not afraid. You're not boasting, but okay. Question. Once you begin to get a little drunk, it doesn't matter what you drink anymore. You can't even tell the difference if it's good or bad. You could be drinking gas. Am I talking to anybody real in this place? Am I talking to anybody who's drank a few drinks? You'll see it in the cardboard testimony. We got some full-blown ex-alcoholics in this place. Full-blown, right? Not for the glory of the devil, but for what Jesus has brought them out of. So if you've already drank a whole lot and you don't even care what your name is, where you're at, you just want more, you don't even know if this tastes good or doesn't taste good. If they were drunk, they wouldn't have been able to know Wow, this is better than the first we drank. Did anybody get that? The first service didn't because I forgot it. <laughs> Amen. It was good, though. Isaiah chapter 5, watch this. Lots of verses. Woe, woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may follow intoxicating drink. See, when you got a drinking problem, you get it in the morning. All right, this ain't a happy hour or get off of work and wonder if you want, you know, you're eating, maybe eating breakfast and you're drinking. Not coffee, not orange juice, intoxicating drink. You got a problem. That they may follow intoxicating drink, watch this, who continue until night now, the reason that, uh, 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 go back real quick to the background, Chris, if you would. The reason I have that cup with fire like that is not because it's a cool drink. Because this is literally the picture of what happens when you begin to mess around with alcohol. Now go back to the verse and look what it says. They continue till night till wine inflames them. You know, what, what, is, what does a flame do? Consumes you. Burns you. Hurts you. Right, and so I wanted to use that visual of, of should Christians drink with the with the fire in the in the in the cup because this is what Isaiah said in chapter five. He said they will continue. They wake up in the morning early. They start drinking. They're following intoxicating drink until night. So this is all day, 
okay? And then till wine, and it doesn't say beer, and it doesn't say vodka, and it doesn't say all the hard stuff. It says till wine inflames them. Amen. How many know what a solvent is? Everybody know what a solvent is? Alcohol is a perfect solvent. It dissolves marriages, families, and careers. Solvents dissolve. It's exactly what alcohol does. Because here's the statement I want you to get and understand. No alcoholic, and lots of people don't admit they're alcoholics. Most people don't admit they're alcoholics. When they finally get to an AA meeting, you know, no one, no one wakes up one day and says, you know what, I think I'm going to drink a glass of wine. And hopefully, if I do this right, by this time next year, I'll be in an AA class. And hopefully, if I do this right, and I do it like the pros, I'll have ruined my family. I'll have lost my job. I'll have lost my savings. Maybe I've gone to jail a couple times. Do you think anybody wakes up like that and says, as a goal, next, this time next year, AA? Because what happens at AA is they say, I admit I'm an alcoholic. Right? That's the problem with a lot of people is they don't admit they're an alcoholic because an alcoholic can't see it because they're inflamed. They're caught up in this. Okay? The devil is working. The devil is deceiving. The devil is, is taking something that seems so simple and so pure and so honest and turning it into something really bad. And for 27 years, I have seen a lot of people destroy their lives with alcohol. I had someone come up to me after the first service, and I can say it now. Older man, bless his heart, came up to me bawling, crying. And he said, I lost my dad to alcoholism. Just crying. People in this place have lost their parents, lost their family members to alcoholism. So as we talk about this, it sounds crazy to me that we even have to answer the question or even ask the question, but we're answering it. Right? Y'all still here? Okay. Luke 21, 34 says, be careful. Or it says, take heed to yourselves. Lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. What day? The day of the Lord, the return of Christ, or the day you breathe your last breath? Because it will come unexpectedly. Amen? Now, I want you to focus on that word drunkenness for a second, because I'm going to hit another area real quick. That's, that's, that's the key to the Christians who want to drink. That's their go-to card. Well, I don't get drunk. I just drink, but I don't get drunk. It, pastors will tell you. Christians will tell you. I watch videos. I listen. I go here. Because I, I, don't, I don't know a lot of pastors here locally, but I, 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 go, I look and hear what they're saying, and, and they'll even say it. As long as you don't get drunk, it's not a The Bible does not prohibit. The Bible does not say you can't drink. The Bible says there's nothing wrong with alcohol. The Bible, it, it, they'll say all these things, but I want you to focus on that word drunkenness because that's their go-to. As long as you don't get drunk, it's okay to drink. And to me, that is like saying as long as you play with that rattlesnake and you don't get bit, you're good. The bottom line is you can. You, some people could play with the rattlesnake. Might have caught it on a good day. Might have been tired. Might have been full. Whatever. Might not get bit. But you're playing with fire. Right? Because how do you know your tendencies? 
And that's why I go back to what I said a few minutes ago when I said, no alcoholic wakes up and says, I'm going to be an alcoholic. It doesn't happen that way. They wake up and say, I can drink a little wine with my, with my meal, or I can drink a beer every now and then. It's not a problem. I can handle it. How many people in your families have heard them say, I can handle it? And then you go visit them in jail, or you see the wreck they got in, or you see the abuse that they put to their family, and you tell them, could you handle it? Can you still handle it? Oh, it's quiet in here. I like it when it's quiet. It means I'm getting y'all to think. We think alcohol is cute as a society. Well, it ain't cute for someone who's lost someone to a drunken driver. Yeah, you go talk to, go to a mad meeting. Go to a Mothers Against Drunk Drivers meeting and see if that's cute to them. That have lost kids because someone gets behind a wheel and drives a vehicle with a gun in their hands and bullets. Woo, can hear a pin drop in here. It wasn't quite this quiet in the first service. You're, you're driving with a gun. You're playing Russian roulette with your life if you think you can handle alcohol. Okay? How many still love me? Ephesians 5 says we can get drunk, but not on wine. Some of y'all just got excited for a second. Woo, this just turned. Hallelujah. Your grim week went from bad to good for a second. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit of God. Amen. Now, it's going to get deep for just a second as I close, okay? I'm going to make a statement that's really strong. If you think I've been talking strong, this one's real strong. Here's what you do. Okay, now, this isn't just alcohol. This is drugs, pills, tobacco, food, anything, relationships, anything that you love less than Jesus. If you sit here and say, I don't have a problem with alcohol, I don't have a problem with drugs, I don't have a problem with, or, 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 I, or I need, I, I just need that one drink to take off the edge. I just need that one drink to calm me down. Let me tell you a statement that's a fact. Here's what you're doing. You're telling Jesus he's not enough. Did you hear me? I know that's strong. But when I pick up that bottle and I say it's just one, I, I, I'm I'm stressed. I need a little buzz. I need to calm down. You are telling Jesus, you're not enough. You take that pill, you take that drug, you eat that food, whatever. We all have all kinds of addictions. You're telling Jesus, you're not enough. That's a sad truth. It's a reality. And, and, and here's the thing. A lot of people try to compare, for example, food. It, we sh- I want to take care of my body. It's temple of the Holy Spirit. I want to work out. I want to take care of my body. But gluttony is a sin, and it's bad. But I've never seen anybody kill somebody after a 5,000-calorie meal at Cracker Barrel. Never seen a cop pull someone over. Officer, I'm sorry. I was just, I'm I'm drunk off those pancakes. Y'all following me? The the seriousness of alcohol is, is that it changes your mind. And isn't it interesting that they're called spirits? Spirits. Because they're spirits. Addiction doesn't kill the addict alone. 
Addiction kills the family, the kids, and all the people who try to help. People's lives who've been destroyed because of that thing that we play around with. Let me give you one last verse. How many look at one last verse with me? Okay, now right before we do this, how many just give me a couple more minutes? Right before we look at this verse that's so powerful that a lot of people don't know is in the Bible, I want to ask you one more question. Maybe the most important question. The Texas percentage of what a legally drunk person is is 0.08%. Okay? 0.08%. If you have that much alcohol in your body, you are drunk. Okay? Now, I want to ask you a question. If that verse earlier said drunkenness, and we or you, you're trying to justify your, your drinking, and you say, I don't get drunk. Here's my question that I want you to be able to answer with God. What is drunk to God? What is, we don't have a written thing down that says God's drunkenness point is point something percent. So if, you, if you're brave enough, and I'm not, to mess around with that and think that you can drink and not pass God's line, whatever it is, that he says drunkenness, you go ahead. Drink your alcohol. But what I'm going to do is not drink any and not take the chance. Not just because there's so many verses about it. Not just because all these people die from it. But because I like to live on the safe side. Now watch this. One last verse. Proverbs chapter 23. <clears throat> Solomon wrote this. This is going to blow some of y'all away. Now Solomon, how many know Solomon was the wisest, foolish, foolishest person ever? Dumbest. Wisest, dumbest. How can you be both? He was. And he had a bunch of wives. And I'm not sure if the drinking caused him to have that many wives or if he drank because he had so many wives. I don't know what the answer is to that. I'm not sure which one it was, but they go hand in hand probably. Amen? So he had a drinking problem. Solomon had a drinking problem. Okay? And watch what he says in, in Proverbs 23, verse 29. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Look at this. Who has wounds without cause? Where'd that come from? I don't remember that. Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine. But remember, nobody plans to linger. Because our problem as human beings is one is never enough. I can handle it. And you know what? You might be here and for 25 years of your life, you've handled it but there's no promise you'll be able to handle it tomorrow. Those who linger along with the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine, watch this. Do not look on the wine when it is red. Say, grab the cup like this. When it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls smoothly, ooh, they smell it. At last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things. Your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, 
You will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea. Some of y'all are like, oh, this is, too, this is too deep right here. Or like the one who lies at the top of the mast saying, they have struck me, but I was not hurt. Isn't it sad that the people who die in those car accidents are the ones who are innocent and the one who's drunk is perfectly fine? Because they don't, you don't hurt them. They've beaten me, but I didn't feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? Oh, that's not me, Pastor. I can handle it. That's what every alcoholic has ever said in the history of the world. Those who are behind bars today for murder. Those who are not behind bars who should be because they were drinking. Those who are in hell right now because they died in a car accident. All those different people, they, they, they say, I don't have a problem. But they did. They destroyed families. They destroyed marriages. They destroyed jobs. They destroyed their kids. It's a serious thing, church. Can I get an amen? Can I get a better amen? amen? Should Christians drink? Hey, man, I wouldn't even expect an answer, but praise God. Should we play with, with rattlesnakes? All right. Father, thank you for your word. Help us, Father. Help us. Pray. I pray you touch every person in here right now who's struggling with alcohol. This is hitting home for some people. But this is healthy. This is healthy, God, because you're going to set some people free today. You're going to help some people realize, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, they have a problem. It's time to stop making excuses, Lord. It's time to stop justifying. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to repeat to you one more time. When you say, I just can't help it. I need it. I got to have it. Takes the edge off. Or any of those things you're telling Jesus the cross was not enough. Because the Bible tells me that on the cross, he disarmed all those powers. He defeated those spirits. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We need to get to a place, where, as we talked about last week, where we hate the things that God hates. That we get to a place where we say, God, I don't want to even get close. I want to abstain from the very appearance of evil. I've given you statistics. Every one of you have admitted that you have people in your lives whose lives have been destroyed by alcohol. Why don't, we, why don't we say, God, I don't want that in my life. Maybe you're here and you need a deliverance today. We're not going to call you out and embarrass you, but you can say, God, I need help. I need deliverance. I, I, I don't ever want to touch alcohol again. I want to I get out of this. God will help you. If you call on his name, he'll save you. Before we pray for that, maybe you're here and you're not saved. You don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want you to know, even though this is a heavy subject and this is a strong thing and a lot of people struggle with this and kind of hits a nerve, it's kind of like if you have an alcoholic problem this morning, you just went to the dentist. And the dentist hit that, hits that nerve, and ooh, it hurts. But he hits that nerve to fix it. You come out of the dentist better. God can set you free this morning. 
But first, he needs to be Lord of your life. First, he needs to be master of your life. He needs to be in control, and you've got to give him that control this morning. How many in this place could say, I'm, I'm done running today. I know I need help. I know I need a Savior. I know I need forgiveness. I know I need to change. And Jesus, I know that you died on the cross for my sins, and today I'm giving you my life, and you've never done that. Amen. I see your hand. God bless you, sir. How many more? I was a smart person, raised his hand before I even got a chance to ask. That's the way I was the day I got saved. I went to the altar before the preacher was even done because I knew I was running from God. I knew I needed to get my life right with God. I knew that hell was my destination. How many more in this place this morning? If you breathe your last breath, listen closely to me. Don't turn me off. Just keep listening. I'm not saying this to speak it into existence. Today, today, November 24th, there are going to be people all around the United States who are going to die in car accidents by drunk people. Today. How sad is that? People are going to go to a party and they're going to start with one drink and they're going to think this is no big deal and they're going to think I, I can handle it and they're going to drink another one and they're going to drink another one and they're going to get drunk on this poison called alcohol and they're going to get in their car and they're going to kill somebody today. And somebody's going to go into eternity. Today, if that was you, where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? I can tell you that if you'll put your faith in Jesus Christ, that he paid that price for you on the cross, that he paid that price for your sins and say, Jesus, I believe that you are my Savior and I believe you died on the cross for my sins. The Bible says he will forgive you right now of all of your sins. He will forgive you right now. His grace is so amazing. There's nothing you could have done in this place this morning that God will not forgive. You know why we get so serious at this moment, at this point of the service? Why it's so, always, always the altar call, always for salvation? Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. This is the reason the church is open. We're not here to be a social club. We love fellowship. We're going to have so much fellowship tonight. We, we love to get together and hang out, and we love that. And it's great. It helps us stay in the walk, but that's not the reason we exist. We exist to pull people from the flames of fire that they're heading towards right now. If a train was coming at your life right now, and I saw you on the train tracks, I would yell, get off the train tracks. You're going to die. And that's what I'm doing this morning. If you don't know Jesus, you're on the train tracks and the train's going to take you out. And the Bible says that eternity is forever. Where are you going to spend it? How many more in this place before we close would just say, Pastor, you're talking to me right now. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Just put your hand up and put it right back down all over this place. How many more? That's me. Today's the day of my salvation. That's me. I see your hand. How many more? I'm not asking you what member of, if you're a, a member of a church. I'm not asking you if you've been baptized in water. I'm asking you if you stood before God right now, what would you say to him? I know what I'll say. Jesus. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one gets unto the Father except through me. I'm the door. Jesus paid my price, and I believe in him. As we stand to our feet, if you raise your hand in this place, and you're serious, and you mean business with God, 
Or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but something's telling you, you need to get to that altar today. Today's your day. I want you just to step out of your seat and come down to this altar and stand right in front of me. I'm gonna pray for you right now. Just step out, come down. Amen, hands went up. I'm waiting just a moment. Don't be afraid, don't be, don't be discouraged, don't be ashamed. Just step out. <clears throat> come stand right here. I'm gonna pray for you. Amen, come on. Come on, keep on clapping. We're gonna believe, I believe there's some more people. Come on, step out. You saw someone raise their hand, just go ask them. Bible says if, if we'll confess the Lord before man, he'll confess us before our Father in heaven. And that's what we do. We're making a public statement. I need Jesus. I'm not afraid to say it. I need Jesus. And you know why I preach like this? Because I know how I am. I don't need any help. I don't need help to be bad. The Bible tells me that my, that my heart is wicked. Who can know it? If you, think you, if you think you got, you know what our problem in the United States is? Is we're dignified alcoholics. We can still hold our job. We can still kind of keep it together. Got that little bit of smell on our breath. But, we, you know, we don't hurt nobody. Did you know what, you know, every time you take a drink, it's killing your body? Every time? Someone came up, I don't know if it's still here, in the first service, and they had a tobacco chewing problem. Someone probably picked it up because got a lot of people that struggle around here. It might have been a struggle for somebody. Someone left it at the altar. Someone else might have picked it up. Hopefully it threw it away. Okay, we got it. Good. There it is. Jerry's got it. And I was looking at that tobacco and I told the man who put it there, I said, you know, that's the perfect example of alcohol because it doesn't really smell. It doesn't really look like it does anything. There's no smoke. But every time you put that tobacco on your lip, cancer's growing. And eventually you're going to have to have your jaw removed and your mouth's going to fall off and all that stuff. It's the same thing. You don't see it in your body, but every drink you drink, you're killing your body. Ethanol. You know what alcohol is? Ethanol. You know what ethanol is? It's the stuff you put in your gas tank. Some people, don't, we don't know that stuff. We don't, we don't read. We don't study. We just drink. Because we're trying to fill a void that only God can fill. He made us with a void on purpose so that we would seek him. And I want to live my life where I say, Jesus, if there's anything that is taking your place, please help me realize it and say, Jesus, you're enough. One of the things I learned a bunch of years ago that really helped me was the word self-control. Some people say, I can't help it. It's how I am. It's not how you are. You can, take, you can make a choice. Self-control and God will help us. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I need a Savior. I fall short of your glory every day. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for all of my sins. I believe your word that you died on the cross for my sins, that you paid a price I could never pay. Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead and conquered death for me. And today I put my faith in the power of the cross, the redemption of the cross, the healing of the cross, the deliverance of the cross. Jesus, I call out to you. Wash me clean of all my sins. I make you master and Lord of my life. 
And I ask you to write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise for these decisions. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.